0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Vogel, and joining me, as always, is my co-host and uh, partner in crime, Christian Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing today?
1: Fantastic. How are you, sir?
0: I am fantastic as well. It's one of those rare episodes where we have two people, and it's a little awkward at first, but usually ends up being pretty fun at the end. Uh, So we're looking forward to having... Ashram Hussein and David, uh, or before his last name, Cooper from, uh, from Netscope. See, there's that awkwardness I was talking about guys. We'll get uh, the bugs out. yeah, now. yeah. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> thank you uh, so much for joining us. Uh, I know you guys are out East. Um, uh, I heard that it was quite warm there, uh, out in Toronto. So I'm quite jealous of that.
2: <laughs> 28 degrees.
0: Wow. Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's something, um, not too, uh, remiss about summer weather, but, uh, we always like to start off with just learning a little bit more about our guests. So, I mean, we'll start with Hashem and then we'll go over to, to David. Uh, just, just tell our, our listeners and viewers just a little bit about your career narrative. Um, you know, wh- where you you been, what brought you to where you are today? And um, like I said, we'll start with Hashem and David, as soon as Hashim's done, you, uh, you go. And then Christian's got a bunch of questions lined up. So let's, uh, that's where we'll start. Hashem, floor is yours, my friend.
2: Thank you. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. and looking forward to it. And just uh, a bit of about me, I was, I started my career at distribution. I was at uh, Tech Data in my early days. Uh, I did a lot of software licensing and then moved into a bit of the security world, uh, like the Trend Micros of the world kind of thing. Uh did that for a bit and then went into uh, a reseller world. I did that for so distribution for reseller for almost six, seven years. Uh, and then onto the vendor world, where I was a bit more focused on cloud security. So uh, it's been a good journey. You know, I've done virtualization, endpoints, all of that. So I'm really excited uh, and I'm really happy in this space today. That's where the market's going. So lucky to be here. Over to you, David.
3: Thanks very much, Hashem and, and Dom and Christian. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so I've, I've had a 25 year career actually, and all of pre- pretty much all of it customer facing. So out uh, of school, I, I went into building And supporting networks and unified communications at a reseller Uh, and after that i went over to citrix for a while uh, where i started learning about how folks deliver you know desktops and applications um, while still doing network and elevating my game up into sort of web applications and saas and proxies and stuff Um, and then i went over to zscaler for a while and so i got my first foray into cloud security i was there for for about four years Uh, i had a, a short trip over at zoom so i spent some time again doing unified communications cloud enabled this time. And and then here I am at Netsco and uh, feeling very fortunate to be here. So that's sort of the quick, quick tour.
1: Very cool. Well, the Zoom is very fitting for a moment like this. I believe we're (laughs) using Zoom today. So (laughs) So, uh, just looking at, you know, why cybersecurity matters, which is why we do this show, in terms of differentiating themselves, how does cybersecurity, from your point of view, move an organization forward and help them stand out amongst their peers? In their sector,
3: yeah, that's great. And I think you know what we do. What we do at Netscope, um, you know, really does map to kind of the forces of change, right, that are going on. So you think about digital transformation, which is sort of a, a banner term. But I mean, data is proliferating, right? Data is in, appearing in more and more places online, uh, moving increasingly out of the data center where it was, you know, comparatively easy to secure, right? So that's one. Two is is users you know, again, predominantly pre-pandemic, right? You could argue most organizations were 15 or 20% mobile. And then, you know, when the pandemic hit, folks were 90, 95, 100% mobile, right? Um, And those architectures that were built to support in-house users primarily exploded uh, and folks found themselves, you know, doing split tunneling and sending stuff out to the internet unsecured. And so you have a combination of, um, you know, data's moving out of the data center, users are no longer in the data center. And so, you know, how do you go about, providing visibility and control in that paradigm, right? And that's that's exactly what we do. Um, and we do it better than anyone, right? In terms of providing really deep visibility and context, understanding where data is flowing, how people are using applications. Uh, and that, that, that the relevance is absolutely
1: massive um, for those reasons. You know, I, I want to I hear from both of you, but I think, uh, you know, we, we want to move the conversation forward because we have so much ground to get to today. Um, how do you do that? How do you protect data? wherever it may be, um, without hindering the user experience, because security isn't the only thing, right? You all obviously need to take some level of risk and you obviously need to keep operations going and stay competitive. How do you, how do you balance both of those things and, and optimize both of those areas?
2: It, that's a great question. And we get that a lot across like business leaders because they're always concerned in the old world is if you put some data protection, are we going to get a lot of false positives on the back end, Right. Um, and what we see today with the new technology and talking about transformations is technology has also changed. So what it's enabling business leaders and customers to do that now is protect their data, regardless of their users on prem or uh, working from Starbucks or working from home is with technology on the back end being a single pass architecture, leveraging the cloud. It's able to do that really fast in line scanning in real time reducing all that noise on the back end because now we have an engine that can move really fast. And that's how we kind of balance that art of protecting that data in real time and still improving the user experience. And then we do features like coaching and uh, all these other ways of kind of interacting with the user. So that makes it very easy for them to understand, hey, I'm going in the wrong place and putting the data in the wrong place. Maybe I shouldn't click it. Uh, So a lot of that, that change in technology has kind of helped that, uh, data protection conversation move a little bit.
3: That architecture is a piece, right? I think that being a SaaS platform, you know, you, and we've been at this for 10 years, right? So it's not like, you know, we just built a, a 1.0 product and it's full of bugs. Being a SaaS platform and having the, the number of subscribers that we do, I mean, you're, you're learning a, a lot as you go, right? So when, when something, when we roll out a new feature or some new SaaS application comes out and something is broken, when we fix it once, it's fixed for everyone, right? So there's a lot of leverage that you get just by having a SaaS model, right? That helps keep performance really, really high and user experience excellent.
1: And I think you guys address this at Netscope, but when we're looking at business leaders with security departments that maybe have limited budgets uh, and limited personnel, um, what would you say to them to be able to kind of leverage that smaller pool of of talent uh, and finances to maximize the risk reduction?
3: Absolutely right. So I think that again, when we use the terms Gartner's terms, right? But SASE and SSE or, or secure service edge is all about consolidation, right? Um, so you look at traditional architecture where companies maybe have bought into best of breed solutions, and they've got six or seven things that they're hosting in their network, right? To provide you know internet security or remote access. Well, each of those things, you know, has a purchase price and operational costs, training costs, support costs, and so on, right? So if you can consolidate all of those into a platform. And more importantly, into a platform where the underlying maintenance like the care and feeding of the infrastructure is handled as part of the service, you get tremendous cost savings out of doing that, right uh, not only cost savings but you get uh, you get optimization of your resources like like you know um, doing software patches is a fairly low value activity, right? so I mean we take that on and, and the organization gets value as a result, so they get better security for less money
2: yeah and I just want to add to that one is I've been doing public sector for the last ten years. Uh, and that's like the number one question that comes out of it is when, you, when you're trying, trying to push like a new technology, which is very transformational to them, there's a couple of things that get hurt on the back end. Is one is the resource, right? You got to retool that employee and teach them something new. But to David's point, it's, it's consolidation. It's, it's Instead of learning 10 technologies now, that person is learning one technology, right? It, the maintenance is not there, and it's easier for them to kind of manage that platform right? So now there's only looking at one GUI. They're not looking at 10 things, right? So it's really nice when we look at the technical resources, which is a big deficit in the Canadian market, or if any of you look at it in the US market, that's a big challenge. We face every organization we talk to today. They're all facing that. So when we bring a technology like this forward to them, they're like, this totally makes sense from a cost perspective, right? And also from a long-term perspective, right? They're not just looking at today, they're looking at the long-term play. Uh, and their resources are actually happy to learn something new, surprisingly, because they're like, oh, this is something new. This is something that's going to keep me sharp for the next five to 10 years in the market. And they want to learn something new. They're done with the old, like, legacy technology. So you're really bringing uh a, a, like, almost like fresh air to the technical teams and something, a new shiny toy for them to play with. So it's going from like a gasoline engine to an electric car for these guys. So they're loving it.
0: That's a great analogy. (laughs) Um, uh, Hash, I'm going to direct this question to you. And David, please feel free to add any uh, color commentary. But, um, you know, when we're looking at the security vendor landscape right now, um, I know a lot of people, I'm sure you guys would agree, it's extremely crowded, right? So for a non-technical, you know, business executive who's trying to maybe evaluate, hey, you know, we need a new security partner or a new, uh, you know, security vendor, trying to identify what's real and what's not, or, you know, what's crap and what's not is very difficult. Um, what would you guys, what would you advise in terms of you know, for, uh, for that non-technical business executive? What are things that they should be looking for or w- what are red flags that they should be looking for?
2: Yeah, great question. It's, it's ironic today, uh, Gardner just released the new MQ, uh, for SSE. Uh, and that's the number one of the top layers that we see a lot of the executive and board people that look at is they rely on third parties. So Gartner is one of them, and, and we are uh, rated a leader in Gartner. Uh, I just uh, saw
1: that this morning, actually. This morning, I, I, yeah. I so it it it's, uh, your
2: timing on this show is perfect. So, <laughs> uh, so that is a huge one because a lot of the executives and board members, they kind of rely on the gardeners of the world to kind of do their analysis and kind of feed that. The second thing I find is uh, in a crowded space, it's customers. When one customer talks to another customer uh, who has used product or a solution and has been through the trials and and challenges right uh those are the best ones to kind of move the needle forward and and that's that's working in our favor today because we have happy customers that kind of deliver that model Uh, but also that transformation started three years ago Uh, one of the banks in canada started three years ago that journey so it's nice to have that it's not happened overnight for us it has been a long journey even in canada Uh, and and it's we're seeing this transition happening i would have never said Hey guys, 10 years ago or five years ago, cloud would be thing in public sector. But today when we talk about government government and all these other healthcare education, they're all actually moving to cloud, which is amazing. And it kind of makes it relevant when we look at that transition happening today in the market. So customers are really seeing that they're now zeroing in on a technology, understanding what it does, how does it work, and then checking with their peers and Gartner and other analysts to say, okay, this is where we need to kind of land today, right? And they probably have one or two choices. Uh, so that's, that's a good thing.
3: Yeah, that's excellent, Hashim. And I would add, like, because I, I do, in our team, I do the, the evaluations, right, of, of our technology for customers that want to try it out. Um, you know, about half of the prospects are looking for the best product. The other half are looking for an outcome, right? The ones that are looking for an outcome are much better to work with because they have got a problem. Right, that we know we can or can't solve, and we know what it's, what it's worth to them for us to solve it. When, when customers are looking for the best product, it comes down to well, who's got, who's got the nicest looking data sheet and the lowest price? So I would say if you're an executive and you're shopping for solutions, first you want to define the problem that you're trying to solve. And then as you meet with the different technology companies, put that problem on the table and listen to how they would fix it for you, listen to how they fixed it for other, comp- other customers, right? And use that as your filter. Um, you know, use the reseller community as a filter because they probably run that course for other companies in the past. Right. So that, that's how like, like our technology is super strong, but it doesn't solve
1: every problem. Right. So that would be my coaching. That's so refreshing to hear that. I have, <laughs> I've heard very few vendors utter that statement. So nice job. Um,
0: Cheers. <laughs> um I'll, I'll direct this question to David and again, Ashram, if you have anything to add, pl- please feel free to do so. Um. When you're, when you're engaging with clients, what are you seeing from a, I guess, from a maturity perspective right now? Like, I know you guys mentioned public sector is, is, has the maturity gone up over the time that you've, you've been involved with it? Has it stayed, has it stayed the same? I'm just curious what you guys are seeing based on your smile, Dave. I'm looking forward to this answer. <laughs> oh, well,
3: I have, I, I've had yeah, uh, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Right. And, and I was reflect cause I knew the podcast was coming. So I was reflecting on this this morning, just remembering, you know, when I first got started at Zscaler, for example, where folks were at that time with respect to cloud, and I think you had folks saying, "We're kind of dabbling in it. We're not really there." And and uh, you know, Microsoft 365 wasn't quite ubiquitous yet. And fast forward to today, and I think every, just about every prospect I'm working with has something in the cloud. Some are. are it's quite a spectrum, right? It could be you know five percent cloud, it could be ninety percent cloud. But but I started working with a prospect recent that has nothing in cloud, and they're still using on premises Active Directory. So I would say, generally speaking, um, you know most companies are in SaaS today. Uh, probably more than half of their traffic is in SaaS, and are starting to dabble in infrastructure cloud would be the generalization. Everybody's got a Saml provider. People are doing MFA, which is fantastic. Um, so if I were to generalize, I would say that's kind of where the world is in this part of the world anyway.
2: Yeah, and I, I and I agree with you, David. I think a couple of things we see is uh, COVID accelerated the adoption of cloud. It really did, uh, especially in the markets that we've been sitting in where we would have never thought that customers would move, they moved. Uh, so Microsoft and AWS and GCP, these guys are really coming out strong in the market. They're bringing a lot of value to our customers. Uh, and the other transformation of seeing actually it's people. It's generation change. There's a lot of young generations coming. Uh, back in the days, there was only Windows. Now you have Mac. You have not just Microsoft, you have Google as an enterprise application. Like we use Gmail, right? So that adoption is changing because now you have younger generations coming in who are looking at speed and agility and they want something in the cloud. They don't want to go backwards, right? So that's driving that market a bit. Hopefully that kind of puts it together.
3: Yeah. And, and actually, let me add one more piece, right? And that is, I guess, we talked about sort of maturity or evolution from a customer-centric perspective, but when we look at, at sort of the internet landscape, there's definitely been a migration from you know, places like like a Wikipedia, for example, where we used to go and just read stuff, now to full-blown applications that are delivered online, right? And so there's definitely been a tipping point, not recently, this is probably a couple of years old now, but we see more than 60% of traffic is now going to application-centric websites, not sort of places where you go to consume content, right? So that's absolutely a change.
1: Thank you. So ha- Hashim and David, I, I know we're here to talk about SSE and SASE, and I, I want to make it really operational and very much relatable to, to the business here. So when it comes to what, what SASE and SSE do uh, for an organization when it comes to you know protecting individuals, uh, access aspect, uh, protecting the data, how does it all work and what does it mean for an organization practically?
3: Sure. Yeah. So, so I think when I um, I talked earlier about sort of the the access paradigm, like where the data is, where the users are, right? Um, I mean, you could build a stack on premises that would do all the things a, an SSE does. It would just be prohibitively expensive, right? And difficult to manage. Um, so, so SSE is very much about evolving, right? like like improving security capabilities, but doing it in a way that is cost effective uh, and gives the user a great performance, right? So, one of the one of the sort of pillars of SSE is that it should be cloud-based and it should be kind of on the natural path that the user would be taking to get to the content thereafter, right? So Netscope, for example, like we live at all the internet, ex- not all, but I think 70 internet exchanges globally. So we're close enough to, you know, 90% of the world's population that they can on-ramp to us. And then out the back of Netscope, you pretty much go directly into the content that you want to access, right? Uh, but in terms of operational benefits, having a consolidated platform with one console is huge, right? Having a, you know, it shifts the focus of an operations team from the care and feeding of infrastructure to being more focused on what alerts is the platform generating? What incidents do I need to follow up on? What policies do I need to define? Because I mean, once you build, once you've rolled out the client infrastructure and you've got all that, all the plumbing done, right? After that, it's largely, again, just just worrying about day-to-day alerting policies, that sort of thing, right? So there's tremendous workload efficiencies in using a cloud native platform. Uh, a cloud native SSE platform.
0: That's fantastic, um, guys. We're, we're 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 at time. This has been an absolutely fantastic conversation, and as promised, we got the awkwardness out of the way, and we ended up ending pretty strong, I think. And uh, really, really appreciate you guys coming on and just doing an awesome job on, on the podcast. You guys absolutely crushed it. So, David and Hashim, thank you again so much. Um, you know, we'd love to have you guys on again in the in the future. But thank you again so much for joining us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Pleasure, guys. Uh, Chris and I will be ra- uh, right back to wrap up today's episode. That was a fantastic conversation with David and And What were one of your key takeaways? Or I guess there were two key takeaways. For- two key takeaways for me, <laughs> yeah, that I was mentioning. So number one, data
1: is being accessed everywhere on people's cell phones, um, tablets, everything, not just on their work computer. Mm-hmm. And so they need to be able to access this data without... Um, hindr- security hindrance. So, how can you actually make that uh, access to data secure uh, in in a timely fashion? That, that's what really stood out to me what about you.
0: Uh, well, for, for me, I think it was just a just a great conversation. You know, I think that, you know, again, taking something like the SSE and SASE space and trying to again make this relatable and understanding to you uh, our non non-tec- non technical and yeah. uh, uh, um, non security oriented um, o- audience. I think that, again, they they did a really good job of of marrying the two. So we're very grateful uh, um, from Netscope, uh, allowing them to have uh, David and Hashim uh, join us on the podcast today. And uh, as always, we want to extend a special thank you to our loyal listeners and ge- uh, loyal listeners and viewers who join us each and every week, as well as our loyal guests. <laughs> um, if you did happen to miss uh, a previous episode, do check out old episodes on the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page uh, and or check out old episodes on your preferred podcasting platform. Till next time, be well, be safe, and we'll see you again sometime in the future on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast.